0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of So Important. I welcome all my loyal listeners as well as many new folks that have joined the So Important family in recent weeks. I am glad to have you aboard. Now, you may recall episode 14, released almost exactly one year ago, when we talked with Karen Strubel Myers of the Fred Rogers Center in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, about Fred Rogers' philosophy and how important and applicable that it is today. So it is in that spirit that now, in the midst of this holiday season, I chatted with Steve Pinder, the founder of Roberto's Kids, an organization that is dedicated to community building and promoting social responsibility through baseball. Steve has an enduring and unabiding love and respect for the man who gave the organization its name, the great Pittsburgh Pirate, Roberto Clemente. A perennial all-star, a member of baseball's elite 3000-hit club, and blessed with a laser-like arm deployed ruthlessly from right field, Roberto will be remembered as one of the greatest ballplayers that ever lived. But there is so much more to his story. Roberto died 47 years ago on December 31, 1972, while undertaking a humanitarian mission to Managua, Nicaragua, in the aftermath of a massive hurricane that left that capital in tatters. He was a generous, compassionate man, a great humanitarian, and as good an inspiration for the work that Steve undertakes that you can find. So let's turn directly to Steve and learn about his remarkable organization. Steve, welcome to the
1: show. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind of you to have me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's my it's my great honor to have you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation So why don't I just jump right in. And before we talk about Roberto's kids and about Roberto, I'd like to ask you to tell folks a little bit about yourself.
1: I um, am in upstate New York, very close to Cooperstown. I'm sure baseball folks will recognize that name as the home of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I live about 25 minutes from there. And my life is, I, I guess it's fair to say, it's been pretty much around baseball. We used to have a minor league team here in the community where I live, and I worked for them. And when they moved, um, Collegiate Summer League, woodbat Baseball, came into our community, and I was the GM of that team for uh, several years, and I also was the president of the league. And I'm very, I guess, humbled to say that I now work full-time at the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm the Visitor Services Coordinator. Uh, the Visitor Services Department acts as the face of the museum. We greet the guests, uh, answer all their questions give them tours, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's an enviable job, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit. People say to me, this is a dream job, isn't it? And I said, well, if you love baseball, it is a dream job. If it, you don't love baseball, it's just another job. But if you love baseball, it for me, it's the dream job of, of all. Sounds like a dream job to me.
0: But let's, let's go to your organization. And why don't you tell folks uh, a little bit about what inspired you to start Roberto's Kids and a little bit about its mission?
1: Sure, of course. 1997, my wife and I uh, went on a church mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Uh, it was made up of a, a construction team, a medical team, and a dental team. A couple of years later, uh, 1999, actually, two years later, um, my local Little League called up. I was involved at the time. I, I had either one or two of my boys playing, and they said, you know, we've got some equipment we no longer need, and we know that you and your wife have been active in the DR, and um, where they love baseball, would you like what, what we have? And I said, absolutely. So from 1999 until 2005, we were a family uh, operating this, and we did everything from one end to the other, meaning we collected it here, packed it, inventoryed it, sorted, took it on the plane with us when we would go to the DR. For luggage, we would just take carry-on, and our allotted luggage would be big duffel bags full of equipment, and then we would distribute it on the other end to those in need. In 2005. Um, we were we had stopped taking it on the plane with us because um, we were collecting too much, which is not a problem, of course. We were sending by sea. And I said to my wife, you know what? As wonderful as two to three tons a year, and this is what we were collecting at that time, there's so many places here in the United States and Canada, et cetera, where folks have just equipment just sitting, doing nothing, and they'd be glad to, to give it some new use. I did not work at the Hall of Fame at the time, but I reached out to some friends there And they very kindly put me in touch with the Clemente family. I met Roberto Clemente Jr. and Luis Clemente in January of 2006. And the rest, as they say, is history, I guess. This has been the most wonderful, emotional ride of my life. The Clemente family does not have any official affiliation with Roberto's kids. But my wife and I, it's fair to say, I can humbly say that my wife and I have become very good friends, very close friends with the Clemente family over the years Uh, Every time they're in the Cooperstown area, we spend time with them, et cetera. And they've always been there for us if we have a question or uh, if we need some advice. And the same thing works on the other end. Uh, I may get a call from Luis Clemente and say, Steve, uh, there's a need for equipment. And then give me the location. Can you help us? So fast forward from 2006 until now, we are now uh, distributing about uh, 50 tons a year. 50 tons a year. And it literally... Uh, you know, I had a reporter a couple of years ago say to me, has Roberto's kids gone beyond your wildest dreams as far as expansion and growth? And I said, no. Um, had that same reporter or any reporter asked me that question now. Now, my answer is yes, actually. It's, it's It still makes me shake my head. We're literally deliver distributing all over the world now as far away as uh, India, Russia. Serbia, Siberia, throughout Africa, Europe, obviously Latin America, but that was our focus for years. Latin America, South America, etc. How do you establish these uh, international connections? Do you give the equipment directly to the team, and what kind of response do you get? As far as relationships go, and the countries we work with, and this is not nothing to be a criticism, uh, but it's, it's the fact is that many of the countries that we work in are third world countries, and third world countries then do certainly have uh, at times. Graft, corruption, et cetera, et cetera. We learned many, many years ago if you distribute it in a third world country, you have to have a fail safe system of distribution in the country. I've had some friends, some uh, mentors in the DR that I've known for 20 years. You know, one of the first things one of them told me is that nothing would ru- ruin our reputation faster than if our uh, donations ended up in the wrong hands, meaning if our donations somehow ended up on the black market where they can be used to buy drugs, et cetera, et cetera. So we've always been very careful. We never add a country until we know that we have a um, secure system of distribution in the country. So to answer your question, do we distribute it directly to the teams? Yes, but it's uh, it's through an organization that we may be dealing with in, in a country. For instance, uh, in the DR, we partner with MLB there, which they're very, very kind. Um and they screen, you know, if, we, if I get an, a request from somebody I don't know at all in the Dominican Republic, uh, I will then um, contact our friends at MLB. They will either know the person and say, yep, they're worthy and legitimate, or if they don't know them, they'll actually um, make sure that who we're dealing with is exactly who they say they are. And so, therefore, our equipment ends up going to those who need it. So that's great that you have that
0: connection with MLB, and I'm sure they appreciate uh, the Roberto Clemente angle as well.
1: I, I think you're absolutely right on that.
0: So when we talk about Roberto, it's easy to talk about what a great ball player he was, but you really tapped into his humanitarian spirit for your inspiration, didn't you?
1: It's hard for me to even put this into words. It, it it's just it was a it's it was a meant to be and it was a win-win uh, for sure. Uh, once I met Roberto Jr. in 2006 and Luis, and they gave us permission to use their dad's name. That's what happened on that very first meeting we held. Uh, they said that we could use their dad's name, and, and off we went from there. His name carries such a worthy reputation. I think it's really a credit that you thought
0: of tying what your work to Roberto Clemente, too. I, I think you get a lot of credit for
1: that. Well, I can tell you this, this this is very humbling even to tell you this, but uh, and it's the first time I've ever, I've told somebody this since Mrs. Clemente died. As everyone knows, Vera Clemente just passed away uh, last month. I met the boys two years before her. I didn't meet her until 2008, and that was in Cooperstown. And it was supposed to be a 15-minute meet and greet between the two boys and, and Vera and myself and my wife. And we ended up spending probably three hours together. She gave me a big hug. Uh, bef- as we said, goodbye. And she whispered in my ear, my husband would be very proud of you. And that comment will stay with me the rest of my life. Absolutely. I think that would stay with anyone. But yeah, I,
0: I remember when she died, I thought of you guys. I thought, boy, that that's a loss to, to lose someone like her. Beloved. She was beloved all over the world. I, you know, as I mentioned in the introductory comments, he actually died on a humanitarian mission. And it was something where he was named as kind of the head of the organization, but I think there was some expectation that he would be more of just a name, but he got really involved, didn't he?
1: Yes. As a matter of fact, what some people don't know, uh, and I only know this from working in the Baseball Hall of Fame, he did absolutely die on December 31st, 1972, while attempting to fly a shipment of relief supplies to Nicaragua. What a lot of people don't know is that he had already sent a plane full of relief supplies that landed successfully in Nicaragua. And unfortunately, the rebels that controlled the government refused the plane and sent it back to Puerto Rico. That upset Roberto. And so he said two things. He said, I'm going on the next plane. They won't stop me. So that is the only reason that he ended up having to make that flight on December 31st was because the rebels that called the government refused the first plane that got there full of supplies. Uh, As I think I've mentioned to you, I'm from
0: Pittsburgh I remember the day, the morning, learning about his death like it was yesterday, and I immediately talked to my cousin and brother about it, and it was just a sense of
1: shock. Everybody loved Roberto in Pittsburgh. And still today, I can tell you this from the department that I work in, there's a handful of, of players, pl- Hall of Fame players, plaques that people ask for every single day. Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, and it's Roberto Clemente as well. Roberto Clemente's plaque compared to all the other 329 plaques in the Baseball Hall of Fame, is very, very dull. They're made of bronze, and the, all the other plaques are very, very shiny. And people ask this all the time. What is wrong with Roberto's plaque? Why is it dull? It's because our visitors are actually not discouraged from touching the plaques. And the reason that his plaque looks the way it does is because the oils on people's hands from people touching it.
0: Uh, I watched a few videos while getting ready for our talk, and it seems like the Latin American ballplayers, in particular, see that as almost like a pilgrimage.
1: Oh, absolutely. When someone gets elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, come in one at a time to the Hall of Fame for the orientation day or the orientation tour. Now, gotta remember, they're here on days all by themselves. So Edgar Martinez was here on a day. Mariana Rivera was here on a totally different day. Both of them stopped at Roberto Clemente's plaque. Both of them touched Clemente's plaque, and both of them got very emotional. So as I tell people when I give the tour, that's what Roberto Clemente still means to that population all these years later.
0: Let me read you a quote from Roberto. I'd love to hear what you think about this, particularly in the context of the great work that you guys are doing. And I'm sure it's a quote you're familiar with. Uh, It goes like this. If you have a chance to accomplish something that will make things better for people coming behind you, and you don't do that, you are wasting your time on this earth.
1: One of the things that I've always admired was how humble he was. Now, obviously, I did not know Roberto, but I've been very lucky through the years to meet, have met a lot of people who knew him personally. And to a T, every single one of them said how down to earth and how grounded and how humble he was. And that's one of the things I think I admire most about him.
0: What's in store for your organization, uh, for Roberto's kids? Where are you gonna go from here?
1: We just keep on growing. (laughs) You know, I I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I have to say we would not have grown from nothing to 50 tons a year without wonderful, wonderful volunteers. We are a 100% the volunteer staff. No, any monies that we take in are used for shipping or storage. Um, I've not never taken a penny of compensation or, or, or salary out of the Rivero's Kids. Where do we go from here? We're just going to continue to grow uh, because it seems to be the way it is. You know, we have more equipment in our collection locations right now throughout the U.S. and Canada than we've ever had before. I was been doing a bit of a capital campaign raise funds for shipping because it's become very expensive. It's doubled since I started. When we first started, we could ship a sea container, a 40-foot sea container of equipment to the Dominican Republic for $2,500. It's $5,000 now. We're trying to, to raise funds so we can ship. There will never, ever, ever be a shortage of equipment.
0: At the heart of your organization is the development of social and community responsibility through baseball. And what I hear from you is that you personally believe very strongly in that mission, believe very strongly in this idea of building
1: that kind of responsibility, and they're going out and doing it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And and we do believe in giving back. Hypothetically speaking, the XYZ League in San Pedro de Macariz in the Dominican Republic asked for a shipment of equipment. They know this league. They're worthy, legitimate. And we don't simply just give the children the equipment. They're going to love the equipment if it's given to them, but we feel very strongly that they will value it more if they've done something to earn it. And that's how they will learn about things. Meaning, the XYZ League calls me today, and we set it all up through MLB. We ask them, okay, what are the boys going to do you know, in order to receive the equipment? It'd be something as simple as cleaning up uh, cleaning a neighbor's home or cleaning up or painting a cinder block wall or something like that. But they need to do something. And, and therefore, we feel that they, there's a different sense of feeling of worth, of value to the equipment to them. They've earned it. Obviously, you're doing some amazing work, and
0: you, you guys really should be commended for that. And if we were to take all of this that we talked about as we, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, what are the lessons for today that we
1: can all apply from how Roberto lived his life? It's very, very easy to take things for granted, to forget where we came from, et cetera, et cetera. 22 years ago, before I made my very first trip to the Dominican Republic, a senior citizen who had done many mission trips said to me, Steve, he said, I need to let you know something. When you come back, you will be changed forever. You'll be forever changed. And I remember at the time saying to myself, you know, I just kind of brushed off what he said, and I was absolutely positively wrong. And when you go into a country where the people literally have nothing it totally changes you because things that used to be important aren't necessarily so important anymore. Well, I think that wraps it up, unless there's something you'd like to add. Oh, no. I I I appreciate your time. I really, really do. If anybody does uh, have questions about Roberto's Kids, uh, they can certainly go to our website. It's www.robertoskids.org. And it is R-O-B-E-R-T-O-S dash kids, K-I-D-S dot org.
0: I will make sure that there are links to all of these things in the show notes. And I can't thank you enough for your time.
1: Happy New Year to you and your family. I really I'm so glad that we were able to to uh, connect finally live. Absolutely. And the same to you and yours. Thank you very much, Monty. Bye. Thank
0: you, Steve.